Hello, everybody, and welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us today in Big Pine, in Key West, in Ocala, in Williston. If you're watching on the Internet, uh, welcome, and we look forward to spending these next few minutes together. As we continue our study on the kingdom of God, and uh, we're going to look today at the idea of prayer, holding intention the kingdom of God. Now, you know, uh, the kingdom of God, we've been talking about it. We, we've been calling it the, the now and the not yet. And we've looked at a lot of scripture that talks about how the kingdom is here and yet the kingdom is yet to come. And uh, we've, we've done that primarily in the New Testament. In the, in the Old Testament, it's very similar. Um, in the Old Testament, the tension is that the Lord is king and the Lord will be king. And we'll, we'll take some time in the future to look at the Old Testament uh, prophecies in that light. But uh, primarily in the New Testament, what we're talking about is that the kingdom uh, will come, the kingdom has come, the kingdom is coming immediately, and the kingdom will be delayed. And we're living in that tension, the tension of the now and the not yet. And, and uh, we, we've done that in the context of two ages, this age and the age to come. That's what Jesus talked about. Um, I believe those are the only two ages, this age and the age to come. Some people believe in dispensation where there's lots of different ages. I don't, not picking on it. I'm just saying, from my understanding, it's this age and the age to come. And so uh, what we've been talking about, though, is that we live in this overlap between the two ages. And, and that uh, when Jesus came the first time, he inaugurated the kingdom. When he comes back, the kingdom is consummated. When he comes back, everything will be made perfect. Um, when he came the first time, he began the process. And, and that understanding will, will totally change the way that you read the Scripture because it, it all begins to open up in light of that context, the things that Jesus said. Next week, we're going to start looking at the parables. And the parables are all about that whole concept. Like a, it's like a, a mustard seed and it grows. Uh, it's like leaven. Uh, it's, it's all these things. And so the, the, the whole idea is that we are living in this tension of the ages. Now, because Jesus has come, and uh, in that process, and then upon his resurrection and, and death, and, and he, he, remember, he, he left us, he sent the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit is here. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit brings the, the power of the age to come and makes it available to us as he moves in our lives. That's why the, we, we can do those things. It's the taste of the power of the age to come. And, and so we have all these concepts that are coming into place, which make everything that we're going to talk about, I think, make a lot more sense. So hang with me in the process. But in this uh, series, we'll, we'll begin to talk about things, why we pray for people and, uh, and uh, you know, for, to be made well and to be set free because we're, we're borrowing on the promises of the age to come. And we're asking for them to happen today. And we're to pray expectantly. But it also allows for us to understand that the kingdom is not yet fully here. If, if, see, hang on to this. If every, time we pray, if every time we prayed for someone, someone was healed, it would mean that the kingdom was fully here. And the kingdom is not fully here. Uh, it's still delayed. Uh, it breaks in. There's breakthroughs. And we're, we're to fully expect those and to believe in them. That's faith. But, but we know that there's a balance, see? And so all that begins to fit in then to the understanding of what Jesus was teaching his disciples because those are his primary things. The kingdom of God is here. It's what he talks about. Read, if you read the Gospels and everything Jesus is talking about, he's talking about this concept. And, and uh, uh, it, it begins to help you tie in the entire Scripture. 
when we look at it from, from dealing with Moses all the, way, all the way back to the garden through Moses and the kings and the covenants and everything begin to tie in together and make sense that the, the, this is all building to the place when Jesus comes back and everything gets set right again. Uh, but we live in this tension. It's not there yet. But so many things are available to us. And the other big concept that, that Jesus was introducing his disciples to and to us is that uh, since he's come now, there's this conflict uh, there's a conflict between this evil age and the age to come. There's a conflict between two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the evil one. And, and uh, in the Old Testament, when we look through the Old Testament, we don't see much of this conflict going on. I, I told you there's four, maybe five references to the evil one in the Old Testament um, because light wasn't there the way it is now. Then Jesus came, he brought light into the world, darkness was exposed, and all of a sudden we begin to see demons manifesting and shrieking and, and fully knowing what, what Jesus is, 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 who he is, and what he's come for. He's, he's, it, war is on. We're engaged in this conflict now, and it's a full-on conflict that, that we're involved in. And in light of that, we talked about the armor that we have to wear in this conflict. But, you know, see, that, again, this is all about when, when we begin to grasp some of this, I think a lot of times we're busy trying to figure out how to stay civilians during a war. Uh, that's one of the things that we, we've done as a church, you know, as, as a whole, is tried to figure out how to sort of stay out of it. And you can't. Uh, you're engaged in the conflict, whether you want to be or not. So we have the armor to protect us, and we have prayer as another weapon in this whole sort of battle. And, and I, I think, you know, at some level we have to, we have to wrap around this concept that the priest of, Prince of Peace brought conflict. Uh, we have it now with the evil one. We're in... In battle, and, and what's at stake is people's lives, eternal lives. Um, uh, it's, it's a huge uh, a battle and conflict. Now, it was won at the cross, but the enemy doesn't operate like that yet. There's still all these mop-up battles, and he's still trying to deceive as many people as he can because he wants their worship, and he wants to take as many people as he can. And, and we, you know, it's sort of like the, the, the power that he operates under here blinds people to the truth. And they want to believe uh, the, in, in the culture. And they want to, you know, I, I listen to television sometimes and the views that people have. And, and what they almost always do is they define how they think God should be. And then they live under those assumptions. Well, you know, God would be this way. And that's how they live their lives. Well, God wouldn't care about that. God wouldn't care about that. And they have nothing to base it on. And it becomes, depending on who the person is, it begins to take on cultural relevance and significance. And people say, well, that's what everybody believes. And, but, but it doesn't matter what everybody believes. <laughs> uh, what matters is the truth and how it impacts our lives. And so uh, ultimately what we've been saying is we're to be the people that, that are representative of the age to come. We're not perfect. We, we mess up. We're, we're in that same tension. We're, we're new creations in Christ, but the old man still hangs on there. We're, 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 uh, in, in that context, we're, we're saved and we're being saved and we will be saved. We're, we're holy and we're being made holy and we will be holy. But we're in that same tension and, and battle as we live through this process. And so we, we have to start to sort of grab onto some of those things as we look at this. So um, in, in the whole concept of prayer... Um, the prayer that, that Jesus gives his disciples is this kingdom prayer. It's, a, it's sort of this conflict prayer. And, and in light of it, it makes even more sense, I think, than, than maybe you know, and we're going to get to it in a minute. But just to set the stage, 
Um, uh, Jesus models prayer in his life. He finds it a necessity. In, in the book of Luke, uh, we, we see Luke record for us ten occasions when Jesus was praying. Um, seven of them don't record the actual prayers. Uh, three of them do. And, and two parables are also recorded in Luke about prayer. So let me just uh, read you the, the parables. Um, or you can turn there if you want. I gave you a list of them on the, uh, on the bulletin, but there wasn't enough room in those bulletins to put all this scripture. So... Uh, I figured you might want to look at it later. But Luke 11, 5 through 8 uh, says this. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Uh, It's a teaching on on prayer about being bold in prayer. And again, it's this whole thing. The kingdom is here, but it's not fully here. But we need to stand in boldness praying for the promises of tomorrow today. And that's what Jesus is getting at. He goes on again in Luke 18, another parable, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now, think about that. See, because here's, uh, do you think this happens? Sometimes we pray for something and it doesn't happen. And you know what we do? We give up. We, We don't even wait for a no. You know, sometimes... I mean, God always answers prayer. The, the, the answer to that prayer may be no. But, but until you get a no, I think you keep praying. Uh, and, and yet what we tend to do is pray one time, and if we don't get an answer, we give up. And that's not how Jesus teaches us to prayer. Why is that important? We're in this kingdom dynamic of the now and the not yet. And the kingdom can break through at any second. It's here. It's not fully here, but it's here. And so when we pray for someone... Uh, we need to pray again, expecting that, that what we're praying for is going to happen. If it doesn't, the pressure's not on us or the person we're praying for. It's still all on God because the kingdom's not fully here. But we, we pray expectantly. See, and so we're not to give up. Uh, he said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a, uh, that would be a scary judge, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think he's got the wrong job, don't you? He didn't fear God and he doesn't care about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord... <laughs> you know, don't you love that? And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he, will he find faith on the earth? But, you know, and so don't make this... Uh, sometimes people want to take this character and think that, that, that first you're talking about God. He's, he's teaching them a, a principle, a dynamic that says this. Don't give up. Keep praying um, because uh, God's going to move into that. God's going to answer that prayer. What, it may not be when we want. So he's saying, be persistent. Keep, keep going to God. You keep going and you keep asking. You be bold, he said in that first one. You, you can do that. It's your, it, he, you're his child. You've, you, you're in uh, his kingdom. And we have every right to go and to ask him uh, in prayer for things. Like I said, one of the answers that you may get in prayer is no. 
And that's certainly an okay answer. All right? But don't quit until you get that. And you'll know it. Otherwise, you stay persistent. Wait for God to answer. Uh, that little son of man comment. Maybe we'll get to that in a minute. That's very interesting. I want to... But there's another verse where it comes up. And so the prayers um, in Jesus are associated with events in the life of Jesus. And uh, I think there's ten occasions listed there where Jesus prays. He prays at his baptism. Um, uh, Verse 21 and 22, chapter 3, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you're my son whom I love with you I am well pleased. Jesus prayed after a day of ministry in Luke 5, 15 through 16. Uh, yet the news spread about him all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Before he chose the disciples, before he made that big decision, he prays in Luke 6, 12. Uh, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Before he taught, Jesus prayed. Luke 9, 18, 22. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. And Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Uh, so again, he's praying at this very crucial time uh, in his ministry. Um, at his transfiguration, he prays in Luke 9, 28 and 29. And it says, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. Um, it's, a, it's a breakthrough uh, of the, the age to come. When the 72 came back, he prayed in Luke 10 through 17 and 21. Before he taught his disciples how to pray in Luke 11, 1, he was praying. Uh, in Luke 12, he was praying for Peter and the disciples in that prayer. Uh, at, the pound of, at the point of suffering in the garden, Luke prays, uh, Jesus prays in Luke 22, 39 through 46. Uh, he prays on the cross in Luke 22, 34, and again in Luke 23, 46. And so from the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus to the very close of the ministry of Jesus, prayer was a central part of the life of Jesus. And... Uh, uh, we need to learn to pray in the power of the kingdom, just like Jesus prayed. That's the whole idea, and it should and begin to encompass every area of our lives. And that's what that whole list was all about. In every sort of thing that he was doing, when he needed to make decisions, uh, when something was going on, after something happened, he prayed, and he spent time with God. So, he teaches us this amazing prayer, his disciples. It's in Matthew 6, 1 through 15, and that I did get in the bulletin, because that will be the primary part of our topic today. And uh, he starts out in Matthew 6, 1 by saying, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you, re- if you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. 
And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay. So uh, the main part of that prayer is uh, verses 9 through 13. Most people know that prayer uh, and have probably learned it in different translations and have known it since they were kids. They've done a lot of songs about it and uh, that have made it on the radio at different times, you know, even sort of secularized versions of the song. But most people know when we talk about the Lord's Prayer what we're talking about. And then remember that the, the basic background of the teaching of Jesus is, is that, that there's now this invasion of God's rule into the enemy's kingdom, the kingdom of God, God's rule, the power and presence of God, has invaded the kingdom of the evil one. And, uh, um, and that's the, the concept behind this prayer. Now, he starts about talking about praying in secret. Um, does that mean that we can't pray in a corporate setting? Well, of course not. We, we see the disciples do that. We're just not supposed to be doing it with a motive about being seen in front of other people, that look at me, I'm praying. Um, that's what he was thinking. Look what I'm doing. And it's sort of a very self-righteous thing that was being promoted by the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus said they're missing the point. Um, that's not what he's talking about at all, that this is to be a very serious and, and intimate part of our lives, that we, we get before God and we spend time with God, not just when other people are around or when other people can see. It's to be a part of our lives. And, uh, and then he gives them the prayer. And, and it's sort of a model prayer, and we've talked about it before, and it consists of two sets of petitions. Um, the first set, petitions one and two, are concerned with the establishment of God's purpose on a cosmic scale. And the second set, consisting of the last three petitions, um, are, are about the personal needs of Jesus' disciples. That's us. And, uh, and so... Um, it begins to make sense under this whole concept then of this age, the age to come, and the conflict that's taking place. Uh, and that's what the prayer begins with. It starts by saying, let your name be hallowed, which means we give reverence and honor to God. And it also means that we glorify him by obeying his commands, that we, we are giving our lives to him. And... Uh, and so we, we begin the process of prayer really just by doing that. I think, uh, you know, practically it's a model for prayer. We don't just say, you know, hallowed be your name. Um, hallow his name. And by that I mean you, you spend a moment or two and just say, God, you are so awesome and amazing. and You're so righteous and true. And God, I love you so much. Your name is above every other name. God, you are the beginning and the end. You are awesome, God. And, and so we begin to, to move into that prayer in the process by honoring God. And, uh, and then the next part of that prayer, the second petition, is that God's kingdom would come and be practiced on earth as it is in heaven. At some point in the past, the evil one was cast out of heaven along with a host of other beings. And, 
that war which arose in heaven, unfortunately, got cast down here. All right. And uh, and the prayer is sort of like, listen, just as you've expelled the evil one uh, uh, from heaven, establishing your rule there, God do that here. And and, and uh, that's sort of the prayer um, that that uh, that happens and takes place here. Let your kingdom come. And your will be done. And so, you know, the, the practical application of that prayer is that we, we, we ask that, that indeed the, the kingdom would come, that we would be expectant, waiting for the breakthroughs of the, of the age to come, the, the power of God, the, the, the kingdom of God, to break through into uh, this present evil age. And in every area of our lives, not only on a, on, a, on, a, on a big cosmic scale, but also in our own individual lives, our, our, our lives, our, our work, our, our family, the, the things that we do, that, that uh, his, his will and His kingdom would break into those things, that we would see them in our, our day-to-day lives. You know, the kingdom breaks through in our day-to-day lives, and we, just, we often miss it because we're too busy and focused in our own lives. And there are opportunities to to, uh, what does it look like in life? It means like, you know, at the grocery store. Maybe there's a kingdom opportunity to pray for someone who's not feeling well. Maybe they need uh, some, some, a, a little godly advice. Uh, maybe they need some encouragement. Maybe they need some actual, some sort of tangible help. But all those things are kingdom activities. All those things are, are what God has called us to do, and we need to be aware of them in our lives. So praying, that sort of gets us ready to, to say, God, you know, show me what you're doing. And... Uh, and Lord, let your kingdom come by, by uh, us continuing to, to do what you would call us to do so that the light displaces the darkness until your return. Um, the third petition comes in verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Um, I think it's not a good translation of that particular phrase. I think there's a better one and, and, and that is very valid that holds up in this idea of this age and the age to come, this way. You actually should pray that. Give us today the bread of tomorrow. And that has far-reaching consequences, not only on a practical scale, where, where that's what we're praying for. We're, we're praying for our, our spiritual, emotional, physical, financial, and social needs uh, on, our, on our own um, sort of practical day-to-day needs. You're gonna, everything's taken care of, God, in in. In the age to come, Lord, make it so today. Uh, you know, hunger was one of the tricks of the evil one. Um, so, so, Lord, give us tomorrow's bread. Give us the power of tomorrow today. Uh, and that's the other implication, like I talked about. I think when we pray, this is the one that says, you know, the, the power, the, the taste of the, the age to come that I talked about, the power of the age to come. We pray for that. Uh, God, give us that today. Give us everything that's going to take place tomorrow. Lord, give it to us today. You're going to do it anyway. You've come. It's in place. And we're expectant. And we pray with that understanding that that's how he breaks through. Um, The fourth petition, petition, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Um, This is a prayer for forgiveness of sins. And listen, when you read it, you need to understand the importance of it. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. We like the first part. We don't do so good with the second part a lot of times. But they're tied together, guys. And, and uh, we're, we are forgiven and we need to be forgiving. 
They work together. And we don't want to jam that cycle up ever. Um, that whole understanding. See, if we're not careful, what happens, I think, is we, we come and we ask God to forgive us, which he does. And we're, we're, we're set free, made new, and we, these things happen. But um, if we're not careful, we can hold on to bitterness against other people because of things they've done to us. We can hold on to judgments and criticism very carefully, you know, very easily, and we can be real judgmental and critical people, and we lose the kingdom dynamic. And I don't think we can really stay in that focus if we're not people that forgive, if we're, if we're not people that, that uh, move in that sort of arena in our lives. It impacts our life with the Lord. So, so we're to um, not only ask for forgiveness of our sins, which I think we need to do regularly because we sin regularly, <laughs> but... Uh, but we also need to think about people that have hurt us and make sure we're not holding on to anything uh, regularly. I mean, daily, maybe more than that. And, and don't give it space in your lives ever because um, you don't want it there. Uh, I know I don't know about you. I, I, I know I need to be forgiven. Um, I get that. And I don't want to, you know, start getting in a place where, where I'm in the bad flow of that because I've decided not to forgive someone. And and so and people always go to we well, don't know what they've done to me, yeah I know but but it's not an option it doesn't say forgive them you know if it's a tolerable thing that they've done it says you forgive people that have sinned against you does that mean you you invite them back into your you know house to to hurt you again no it means that you give it over to God and say God I'm not I'm not going to hang on to this anymore I'm not going to hang on to this bitterness anymore I'm not going to I'm not going to be the judge over this person anymore I'm going to let you do that God I'm going to give them back and up to you and I, I always think that one of the ways I know I've gotten to that spot with someone is that I can pray for them again uh, I can pray for them to for God to bless them and uh, if you can't do that you, you probably got some unforgiveness issues you need to work through in your life the fifth petition lead us not to temptation Deliver us from evil. Uh, another translation of that could be, don't let us succumb to the attack of the evil one, but deliver us from the evil one and his attacks. And, and, uh, and so I think Jesus there was, was teaching his disciples how to pray when the enemy attacks us. And uh, uh, he was certainly going to do that to all of them and, and all of their ministries. And so we stand against the attack of the evil one in that process. And... Uh, uh, the entire prayer of Jesus is based on, on his conviction that this present evil age is under the control of the evil one and, and uh, that he was teaching his disciples to, to, to pray as another arsenal, as another you know, tool in their arsenal. And so um, prayer takes on a different dimension when you begin to realize that you're in a conflict. And I think too often we just settle for what's happening instead of really kind of seeking out God and praying. Uh, and standing uh, with that armor that we talked about last week and then this, this uh, prayer in our lives to consistently and continually pray to God and uh, to be bold in our prayer, to be persistent in our prayer and to keep praying in situations until we get an answer. And, and that's what Jesus was teaching his disciples. And so um, that's sort of what prayer is all about. And, and uh, I think in, in light of this understanding, it makes a big difference. It's not just sort of an option. It's... It's a, it's a necessity in our lives because we, we, we live in this tension, in this conflict, in a fallen world with a very real enemy who wants to stop you wherever he can and keep you from being fruitful in the kingdom of God. Prayer is a huge uh, tool in our arsenal to help us along in the process.
Amen? Amen. All right, next week we're going to start talking about the parables. I love the parables. So if you want to read ahead of time, we'll be in Matthew 13 next week. And uh, I encourage you to, to look those verses up. Okay, we're going to pray for people here um, in Key West. Barry will pray for you up in Williston. Scott will pray for you. And Pam and in Ocala, Johnny and Allison will pray for you. And if you're watching on the Internet, just call us or email us, and we'll be happy to pray with you and for you. All right, thank you. Pass me up your prayer request here, and let me pray for you.